For they had sworn with all their heart, and had sought him with their whole desire. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Good morning, everybody. Glad that you're here with us, whether you're in the room or watching online. It's always interesting on a Sunday morning to kind of check out not only the chat, but the different platforms and my email box and to welcome people. So I'd like to welcome uh, the Cowden, Schultzes, and Forsma who are watching from the desert in Southern California. I'd also like to welcome the Daly family who right now is watching from just outside of the capital city of Iceland. Talk about polar extremes, literally, right? Hey, can we welcome folks that are watching online this morning? We're glad that you're here. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm glad that you're here. And every week that I have the privilege and the opportunity to preach, I ask Jesus one question. What do you want me to say? And then this is what happens. I pray and I listen and I struggle and I study and I fast and I check the pulse of the world around me. And I pray some more and I listen some more and I struggle some more and I sometimes walk in circles around the building and then I dig a little deeper into the word of God looking for truth and then I pray and listen and struggle a little more. And when I find peace with Jesus, then I preach about Jesus and what he told me to say that weekend. Well, in this season of deeply divided political opinions and convictions, there has been an uptick in what people think Jesus wants me to say. And they're not shy in letting me know their interpretation of what Jesus is telling them that I should actually say. Some people send their suggestions wrapped in love, and I appreciate that. They say, Grant, you should listen to this because there's always a video attached to it. Grant, you should listen to this, and maybe you should consider saying this. And then I listen and I pray about it and I truly appreciate it because I know the heart of the person who wrote me. Some other people kick it up a notch and they send uh, a directive. Grant, this is what you should say. God told me to tell you and then I have to weigh it against the conversation I'm having with Jesus and I do my best to listen to what Jesus says in response. This season has added a whole other level. Some people have actually written me these words. If you don't say this, then I'm going to have to blank. And I'll be honest, I do my very best not to sin in that moment. But in this season, this happens every four years, people's opinions and convictions create pressure. Every four years, as predictable as the rain is in Washington, I have felt surrounded by opinions and convictions and pressure. That's actually why we proactively tried to preach a, a series on politics. I know nobody even remembers January because it seems like a decade ago, but we did an entire four-week series on the platform of Jesus that was called The Platform, and you can actually go back and reference it in the sermon archives. In the midst of all of that stuff, I'll be honest with you, I felt a little surrounded, surrounded by differing opinions and convictions, but I can also say this, it's okay, because the presence of Jesus has never been more real to me than right this second, because of a promise from the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 15, 15 says this, they sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. So I have a question for you, sleep-in service. 
Have you been seeking Jesus as eagerly as you've been seeking political discussion or opinion? At the 930 service, a guy over here said, yes, I have. I'm like, amen. Thank you, brother. And there's a reason for my question. You see, according to this verse, rest only comes in seeking Jesus and not just seeking Jesus, but seeking him eagerly. You see, without seeking Jesus and finding him, and he promises he will be found by those who eagerly seek him. He says, if you don't press in that way, there'll be no rest for you ever. Jesus took me back to the Old Testament this week to a story all about being surrounded. I want you to hear the words of God from 2 Kings chapter 6, and then you can go back and find out whether or not I'm telling you the truth or not. The Bible says this, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Let's stop there for just a second. This man of God is a prophet by the name of Elisha. I like Elisha because he's a little rough around the edges. He doesn't have a really good filter for his mouth. In fact, he's not even afraid to be human. And he has some pretty human moments all the way through these stories. In fact, there's a story that I find about Elisha that I actually find to be um, somewhat refreshing in a twisted sort of a way. Apparently, Elisha was bald, okay? And this group of college students actually confronts this prophet on the road one day. And apparently to this group of young people, bald is not beautiful. So they start calling out insults to the prophet of God, Elisha. You can actually read it in, in the book of 2 Kings. It said like, hey, you bald head, you big bald head. That's what scripture says. And Elisha has a moment. He prays a curse on them. Two bears wander out of the woods and maul the entire group of college students. And I kind of like that story. Because the truth is, I felt like praying for bears to show up on more than one occasion in the last couple of months. I'm just saying, all right? Back to the text before I get in a whole lot of trouble. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This is so good. Elisha is just using a spiritual gift. Several weeks ago, we did a spiritual gift survey with our church. Found out that we have people in almost every single category of the spiritual gifts. This is a spiritual gift. It's a word of knowledge. And Elisha uses it to warn the king of Israel. It basically goes like this. Hey, king of Israel, the Arameans are going this way with our army. King of Israel is like, cool, then we're going the other way. Here's what's amazing. Keep reading. Verse 11. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Stop there for a second. The king of Aram thinks it's an inside job. Somebody is tipping off the Israelites. Verse 12, none of us, the Lord, my Lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel, the very words you speak in your bedroom. Now, before that weirds you out, this is what the word of God is saying. God hears everything that you say and think, both in public and in private, and that should slow some of us down just a little. Nothing surprises God. God knows everything that's going on inside of us and outside of us. God knows every thought before we even speak it. And the fact that he continues to love us, that's just really humbling. 
Verse 13, story continues. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. There it is. We're going to spend the next four weeks talking about what it feels like to be surrounded. I'm not sure if you know this, but there's a little thing happening on uh, Tuesday in this country. If you don't know, um, you might want to turn on your television. But I'm going to promise you something. This coming Tuesday, some portion of the people in this country are going to feel surrounded. Depending on who wins, Democrats are going to feel surrounded by those Republicans. Depending on who wins, Republicans are going to feel surrounded by those Democrats. Green Party people and Libertarians, they're going to feel surrounded too. And then on Wednesday, when we all come back to reality, we're going to come back to the reality of Wednesday. And you're still going to be surrounded by restrictions and financial pressure and a medical crisis and family issues and what you're going to do this year to celebrate Thanksgiving and how you're going to handle Christmas. And it's going to be overwhelming because you're going to be experiencing pressure from every single side. I remember a moment of intense pressure that happened right on this very spot. Every time I preach, I'm thankful for this spot, not because it's a preaching platform, but because this particular spot has a lot of history for me. In 2003, when I became the senior pastor here at Christ the King, this spot was not a preaching platform, it was a pile of dirt. In fact, there were three piles, one here, one here, and one over there. This room didn't even exist. Before this was a church, it was actually a department store. It was a best building, it was a Jafco. Some of you have bought a blender right about here in this general location, we had bought the building, and then we tore the floor out of it, and we just happened to be in 2003 in the middle of a building project, and there was nothing here but three piles of dirt. There were no walls. There was no infrastructure. There was basically nothing. It was just a great big empty space. And I was finding myself kneeling on this pile of dirt that was right here. I found out on a Tuesday in 2003 that my boss was leaving. On Thursday, I became the leader of Christ the King Community Church, and Sunday was Easter. It was an interesting season. We were in the middle of a $5 million building expansion, but we didn't actually have a dime of money yet. We had a pile of paper that was filled with promises from people that they were going to pick up the tab on building this particular building, but we didn't actually have any money. And then in the weeks following Easter, we added on top of that a scandal with the former leadership, a lot of debt, and a rookie pastor who had never pastored before in his life in that particular way. Yay! It was awesome. And on the Monday morning following Easter, I found myself kneeling and praying on a pile of dirt right here. And I felt surrounded, surrounded by confusion and disappointment and insecurity and overwhelming odds, borderline fear and panic. It was like the fog of life was closing in on me and the devil was loving every single second because he would show up and ask questions like, who do you think you are? You can't do this. You can't lead this. You're weak. You're alone. You're surrounded by debt and problems and the forces of evil. You are done. Anybody else ever felt that way in their life at any time? Four of you. That's great. The rest of you... Come on now. I'm going to leave myself just kneeling on that pile of dirt. We'll come back to it in just a couple of minutes. But let's get back to Elisha and what's happening in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. 
When the servant of the man got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Some of your translations say it very different. Some of your translations say there are more for us than against us. Can you put yourself in the shoes of the servant that particular morning? You wake up, you walk outside, you're washing down the mule, doing whatever you're supposed to be doing. You look up and you are completely surrounded by the Aramean army. You are freaked out. And then your boss has the nerve to show up and say, don't be afraid. There's more for us than against us. I'm sure the servant was thinking, are you kidding me? Excuse me, Elisha, have you looked around? There is an army surrounding us. Elisha, you may have the gift of knowledge, but apparently you don't have a gift in math. There are two of us, and there is an army out there. There aren't more for us. There aren't more for us than against us. There's more against us than for us. I mean, just take a look around. It's so obvious. Can't you see? Oh, Elisha could see all right. Elisha could see something that was more real than what the servant was looking at. Elisha was just seeing it differently. He wasn't interested in natural math, natural order, or natural circumstance. He just had his focus in a completely different place. Elisha was seeing something different. He was actually seeing something more real than what the eyes of the servant were lighting on in that moment. So he prayed. Verse 17, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. In case you're wondering, that's another spiritual gift. It's the gift of faith. Just open up his eyes, God. He needs to see something bigger than what's happening right around him. He feels surrounded, but that's not actually what's going on here right now. God, open his eyes because you have something incredible to show him. The verse goes on. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Something shifted, something moved. All of a sudden, with spiritual vision, everything changes from the servant. Instead of cowering in that moment and shaking like a leaf, instead, I, I can just imagine, the text doesn't tell us, but my imagination just goes nuts. I'm pretty sure his posture, sh posture shifted from, I don't know what we're going to do, to all of a sudden, whoa, 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 whoa. You want to fight now? Let's fight. You want to fight? You've got chariots made of metal. Oh, aren't you intimidating? We've got chariots of fire, and fire melts metal. You want to fight now? Come on, Arameans. Let's bring it. You want to get this thing done? Let's do it the way God would intend to. Because you think you're this big intimidating force? You can't see who's standing right behind you. Come on, 1115, work with me. I mean, isn't it amazing what a few seconds of true sight can actually change in a, in a person? Suddenly he goes from being fearful to fierce because he can see something different. Okay, we've got to stop here for a second. There's so much for us to learn because I promise you, this Tuesday and Wednesday, most of us in the room at some level are going to feel a little surrounded. So what do we do? Well, let's start here. When I'm surrounded... I'll choose the right battle. I read this verse several weeks ago. I'm going to read it again. It's so important. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Let's back up there for a second. 
Did you hear that? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Can I clear something up for all of us? We need to hear it. This is not a battle between right and left, between conservative and liberal. This is a spiritual battle against the dark forces of Satan's army. And for the record, that, that battle has already been won, and it's been won by Jesus. Somebody say amen. It's a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We are in a spiritual battle, and the problem is this. Some of us have become so distracted because we're fighting the wrong enemy. We've got a front row seat in it. We're fighting each other inside and outside the church. We're fighting people with different opinions. We're fighting for this ideology or that ideology. Most of us, let's be honest, we're just fighting because we want to be right. And the whole time, the devil's laughing at us because in fighting with each other, we are not fighting the real enemy. Now, don't get me wrong. There are battles worth fighting with spiritual roots and eternal ramifications. There are godly causes that need a champion to rise up, but those battles are eternal battles. They are not temporary arguments. So choose the right battle to fight. Elisha goes in a little deeper. When we are surrounded, what are we going to do? I will ask God to open the eyes of all involved. I love that little prayer. God, open the eyes of his heart. That is a beautiful prayer for us to pray for both our allies and our enemies. Pray that their eyes will be opened. Pray that all of our eyes will be opened. Pray that we will see the glory and majesty of God more than we see division Pray that we will see King Jesus riding on a white horse, victorious and strong. Pray that we will see our enemies with the same compassion that Jesus sees us. Pray that we will not see people as the enemy, but victims of the enemy. Pray that we will see into the supernatural realm where the armies of God are moving into position. Pray that we will open our eyes and see the worshipers out front calling on the name of Jesus, where people are filled with the Spirit and using their gifts for the cause of Jesus. I'll tell you what, I would rather focus on that than my news feed any day. Can we go back to the worshipers for just a second? Andy's leading worship with one hand this weekend. He broke his wrist. We couldn't get him off the stage. He's up here beating a drum with one hand because he will not be deterred because he knows this. If I can just get my eyes on Jesus, everything's going to change and shift. When I see that reality... When I see that reality, I get even more excited because then I get to relish in the size and the scope of the army of God. And when I see all those who are for me, more for me than against me, it means I don't have to be discouraged, deterred, dissuaded, or downtrodden because this is what it means. I don't follow a symbolic elephant or a symbolic donkey I follow the real Lamb of God who was, is, and is to come. Somebody say amen. So when I open my eyes to that reality, everything changes. So when we're surrounded, we can pray and ask God that everyone will have their eyes open to the beauty, love, and justice of Jesus. Let's keep going. When I'm surrounded, Elisha teaches us, I will look to Jesus, my defender and my victor. 
I said this in both services, and there's an interesting response. Can I tell you who's going to win on Tuesday? This is my answer. Jesus already did. The Bible says, don't put your trust in earthly princes. Don't believe that a human being is going to be able to come and reconcile people against sin. We're just not that good. Don't look there for your hope. Now, I hope you hear it. I mean, several weeks ago, we made the whole thing, right? I made an appeal to us as a church. Let's be good citizens. Let's be a part of a process. Let's let our voice be heard. Let's move towards God's standard and talk about God's standards with gentleness and respect and love. But don't for a second get caught up in the idea that someone other than Jesus can actually bring peace to this broken world. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who sleeps will not, or he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and evermore. What a beautiful promise to grab a hold of. My help comes from the Lord. And there are just so many scriptures that make my heart explode when it comes to being surrounded by the presence of God. Exodus 14, verse 14. One of my favorite scriptures says this. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. We'll come back to that in a couple of weeks. You need only be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and rest. Pause. Does that sound familiar to anybody from a couple of weeks ago? We actually talked about how we could start small with a moment of rest and pause. That's why many of you have been doing communion every single day leading up to November the 3rd. Just so you know, this is how we're going to celebrate the end of the election cycle next weekend. We're going to do communion as a church family. We're going to come back to one table where there is one king, where there is grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And we're going to do everything that we can to fulfill the prayer of Jesus from John 17 to be one in the spirit together. Let's go back to the dirt pile for a minute, right here. Almost 18 years ago, I felt surrounded, and then something shifted. I was surrounded, not by brokenness and hurt. I was praying right here, and the entire Trinity met me here. All three of them showed up, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they reminded me of something. I was a dearly loved son of the Most High God and that this was his church. And Jesus promised something about his church. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then others started showing up in the days that followed. My wife, Laurel, showed up every single day with her gifts of faith and wisdom. My children, Braden and McKenna, showed up every day with their gifts of of love and childlike faith. A man named John Havlin showed up 
with his grit and his gravelly voice and his absolute belief that Jesus always wins every single time. The CTK staff showed up and sacrificed and kept focusing on Jesus. The CTK family showed up over and over again and they gave and they served and they refused to give in to the lies of the enemy that somehow we were done. And our friends showed up and the worshipers showed up and worshipped and the intercessors showed up and prayed and the servants showed up and served and the leaders showed up and led and the prophets showed up and prophesied and the family of God showed up and standing around the family was an army of God and Jesus did a miracle. He claimed a pile of of dirt for his glory because suddenly our eyes were open. There were more for us than against us. We need to remember that this coming week. God is already in Wednesday. He knows everything and he made a promise. All things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Boy, if you don't walk away with anything else today, I hope you'll get this. On Wednesday, the Prince of Peace will still be ruling and reigning from heaven. And we need to focus on that, and we actually want to step into that because we've got a little project that we're going to do together. In the beginning of COVID, which seems like forever ago, we did something called a Promises Devotional. Several thousand people from our church spent a month focusing on the promises of God. We did it together, day after day after day, and God moved inside of our church family. Well, we thought if it worked then, maybe we need it even more now. So we've created something called a peace devotional. I'm so unbelievably proud of this piece of work because our pastors all contributed to it. Inside of it, some photographers from Christ the King have put some nature photography to remind you that God is bigger than all of the chaos that's happening around us. And we want to invite you from election day through Thanksgiving to focus with us on the peace of God. You could put your mind in lots of different places. I'm going to call you as a church and I'm going to join you. And we're going to focus instead on the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself. So if you're here in the room today, as you're exiting on the table out there, there are copies upon copies. Take as many as you need for you and your family. If you're watching online and you're like, how am I going to get my hands on that? It's simple. ctk.church slash peace. And you can download your own copy. You can print it off. And you can walk along with us. So that's in the room and online. And then we're going to add another piece as well. On Tuesday before we all go home in the evening to turn on our televisions and find out something that God already knows. Some of you may need a little extra help. And we want to be here for you. So Tuesday afternoon between noon and six, if you'd like to pull up in front of the church, we'll give you a peace devotional and then we'll have pastors out front. We would love nothing more than to pray the peace of God over you. You'll stay in your car. We'll stay outside. It'll be safe. And we would love nothing more than to pray the Prince of Peace over your heart and your trust in him. Every time I've read 2 Kings chapter 6, I usually end up stopping right about there. And I think, oh, that's just a good place to stop. This time I kept reading. Because what we're going to find as the story wraps up is a beautiful moment of peace. So just remember again, Elisha and his servant 
are still surrounded. The servants had his eyes open. He can see now that surrounding the Aramean army is the army of God and that there are more for them than against them. But this Aramean army is still pressing in. And in verse 18, this amazing thing happens. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. Think about it for a second. It's like, hey, God, um, this Aramean army can't see who's surrounding them, and they're coming in towards me right now. There's pressure. And now that our eyes are opened, could you do me a favor? Would you mind closing their eyes for just a little bit? And that's exactly what God does. The Bible goes on. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them. So picture this. They're advancing towards him. His eyes are opened. Now he prays, God, could you close their eyes for a second? And then he actually goes out to meet this force that's coming against him. It says, Elisha told them, this is not the road this is not the city. You can imagine. They can't see anything. They're completely, it's in just a state of utter chaos. This is not the road. This is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. Kind of makes me laugh a little, right? Elisha, he's, he's being a little human here. It's just like, yeah, you're looking for a guy. I think I know where he is. Why don't you follow me for just a second? I know you can't see my bald head, but just follow along. We're good. And he leads them right into Samaria. He leads them right into the middle of the territory held by their mortal enemies, the Israelites. He leads them right into the center of God's country. And I'm not talking about Texas, okay? Verse 20, after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. One second they are surrounding, the next second they're surrounded. What a shift. You can imagine the fear. Scared to death, suddenly you're in the middle of enemy territory. And you're surrounded not only by the army of God, but the Israelite army too. Verse 21, when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you've captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. Can I remind you of something? The beginning of the story, there was the spiritual gift of wisdom. In the middle of the story, there was a spiritual gift of faith. Now, we have the spiritual gift of mercy. Lord, have mercy on us on Tuesday night. God, help us to be these kinds of merciful people. Regardless of what happens, God, have mercy on us. Because look at, if you just take the text apart, you just see it. It's so clear. What happens when God's people choose mercy? What happens when our eyes are open? What happens when we choose to engage in the right battle? What happens when we relish in the size of God's army? What happens when we hold with confidence to the fact there are more for us than against us? When that happens and we take this approach, people live. People live and they get to experience something. 
They get to experience mercy from us in the same way that we experienced mercy from Jesus because I'm going to remind you of something. Every single one of us were born as natural-born enemies of God, born with a sinful nature. And instead of surrounding us with judgment, God set a table of grace, mercy, forgiveness, hope, and peace. I think our world is going to need peace this coming week. I think the world is going to need some ambassadors of reconciliation who will come and take opposing sides by the hand and saying, Jesus can fix this. We're hoping and praying that this week there'll be some practical outcome. You know, I love this story. And I learned this when I was in Sunday school, but it's come alive to me this past week. Let me do just a super quick recap. Elisha is tipping off the king of Israel because they're surrounded by the king of Aram. Then he finds a moment where he's surrounded and his servant freaks out. And Elisha stays calm and says, God, open the eyes of his heart. And when the eyes of the servant's heart are opened, he sees that he's not surrounded by a human army. He's actually surrounded in support by a heavenly army. And then they get an opportunity to give mercy. I love the practical outcome. The last line of this story reads this way. So the bands or the, uh, or the armies from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Period. The conflict stopped. And peace won a victory. May God allow us to experience the peace of his son, Jesus, this coming week. So here's what we're going to do. We're not done, church. We've got nine more minutes. And I'd like to invite you into a moment. We've been doing this all weekend long, and it has created such joy. I like it when my email box fills up with people saying, God spoke to me this week. Thank you. That makes my heart swell. So we're going to do something. We're actually going to worship and pray to wrap up the service. Worship team is going to sing a little and then we're going to pray and then they're going to sing a little then we're going to pray. Normally we don't teach new songs in moments like these but this time we're going to but the cool thing is there's only two lines. You can learn two lines, you got the whole thing. And here is my explicit goal. My explicit goal is this. On Tuesday night when you turn on your television to find out what God already knows. I'm hoping and praying that this little tune just sticks in your head and you can't get it out. Here's the two lines. This is how I fight my battles. Line number two. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. There, you just learned the whole song. This is how I fight my battles and it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. If you're at home right now, I want to really encourage you to change your posture somehow. Maybe you've been sitting this entire time and I want to encourage you. Now would be the time maybe you need to kneel. Maybe you need to lay flat out on the floor. Maybe you need to stand and lift your hands to heaven in your living room and join us in this moment. 
Whatever God tells you to do, I want to encourage you to do exactly that for the next few minutes. For those of you that are in the room, I want to invite you to change your posture too. Some of you need to stand. Some of you need to slip out of your seat and kneel. Some of you need to stay exactly where you are. Some of you need to kick it up a notch because you've been doing the same thing over and over and over again. Can I promise you right now, the entire Trinity of God has been here the entire time. He's never left and he will hold your hands up if you don't feel like you can move. But we're gonna do this. We're gonna sing and then I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing and then I'm gonna pray a little. And then we're gonna sing and I'm gonna pray a little louder. And I hope you'll respond in the moment too. As we welcome the Prince of Peace right now. So however God tells you to change your posture, let's do that together right now. Andy, with one hand, would you lead us? Jessica, with one voice, would you lead us? Mark, work it. Robbie, thank you for being here today. Church, we're going to worship. Let's do it together. Because the King of Kings is here today. The Lamb of God. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. We'll sing that again. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. God, this is how we're going to fight our battles this week. We're going to fight our battles holding on to the holy word of God. We're going to fight our battles by falling to our knees because you said if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord that you would lift us up. God, we're going we're to take a low posture of humility because before we can rise up, we actually need to sink down just a little. And we need to put our faith back into the King of Kings the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace. So God, we're not going to fight as the rest of the world handles conflict. No, we're going to humble ourselves before the King of Kings. We're going to empty ourselves. We're going to pour ourselves out to you in prayer and in service and in love and in grace. God, that's how we're going to fight this battle this week. Fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how we'll sing that again. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how God we feel like we're surrounded surrounded by opinion and conviction God there's pressure coming in from every side but God we want you to open our eyes so that's what I'm praying God open our eyes so that we can see there are more for us than against us God open our eyes to see the size of your army 
moving in, in perfect rhythm with each other, following the Lamb. God, we picture that day coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the spotless Lamb of God. So God, it may feel like we are surrounded. It may look like we're surrounded, but we choose to make this declaration. Oh, we are surrounded all right. We're surrounded by a great host of the heavenly army. We're surrounded by angelic warriors. We're surrounded by the love, grace, and mercy of Jesus himself. We're surrounded with power and strength and might and the glory of God. Lord, we're surrounded today because God is love, God is mercy, God is hope, God is strength, God is peace, God is power, God is life, God is liberty, God is all of those things. So we give ourselves fully to you, God. We make a declaration. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you and only you. in the wake of the spotless lamb of heaven. God, I thank you. You already know. You're already there. And you are mighty in God to the pulling down of spiritual strongholds. So God, as children of God right now, we, we, we summon courage from you. We ask that you allow us not to be wrapped in fear, but instead, God, to declare, I'm surrounded by Jesus himself. I'm surrounded by my Father. I'm surrounded by the Spirit. I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I'm surrounded by the church of God. I'm surrounded by a God who is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He is all things and in all. He was and is and is to come. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's working all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So God, surround us with your love. Surround us with your power. Surround us with your hope. And Surround us with your peace. We love you today and declare you are our King, our Savior, and our Lord. Let's sing it and worship together in this moment, church. Let's sing and worship the King of Kings.
if God is for you, who can possibly be against you? We're surrounded. But there are more for us than against us. And the world is so desperately going to need us to fulfill our role. You know who I'm looking at right, right now? I'm looking at ambassadors of reconciliation. We're going to need to pull some people together for the sake of Jesus. So this week, join us as we begin to pray for peace. Online, ctk.church slash peace. In the room as you're leaving today, Tuesday afternoon between 12 and 6, if you just need a little extra help, boy, we'd love to pray with you. May you go in the power, name, and the peace of Jesus today. May you carry his banner, a banner of humility, life, and love. May you fight your battle in a way that would honor Jesus this week. And may you never forget, it might look like you're surrounded. (laughs) We're surrounded by him. May you go in the power and name of Jesus today. Have an amazing weekend. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here in six days. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.